Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for the Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing heartwarming, humorous, and completely true stories about our feline friends from Chicken Soup's latest edition, My Very Good, Very Bad Cat. Good morning, Amy. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, Johnny. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to be talking about our cat book. I was just reviewing it last night, preparing for this interview, and I was still chuckling out loud at these stories, even though I've read them so many times. Fantastic. I love the book. It's always a pleasure to have you on the air, and especially this particular book, it's a really wonderful read. The stories are funny, and what I like about it, it's sentimental as well. So congratulations. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. It was fun because we decided to make the topic my very good and my very bad cat. And most people have the same cat. The same cat embodies both sides of that equation, very good <laughs> and very bad. But when people talk about their very bad cat, they're still often saying it in the most affectionate way that I think when they say to their cat, bad cat, the cat thinks they're saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true, though. What my experience about my cat when I was growing up was that cat seems to have that sort of that panache, uppity kind of personality. And I also have a dog at the same time. I'm very excited that we're talking about cat today because they are really, really wonderful to play with and, of course, cuddly and so forth. So why did Chicken Soup decide to publish stories about cat? We end up publishing a new book about cats every year and a half or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's partly because they're very popular, and of course we want to make books that people want to read. Mm-hmm. It's also because we receive so many amazing stories about cats. We went through thousands of stories to pick the 101 that are in this book. Mm-hmm. And we also have a motive. Um, behind our books about cats and dogs there is a bit of an agenda, and that agenda is to make people aware of the benefits of adopting cats and dogs from shelters and rescue organizations. And so we try to highlight in our books the value of these animals, how much joy they bring to people who adopt them. And we even try to focus on the categories of cats and dogs that are often left behind at the shelters, and those would be black cats and black dogs, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, pit bulls, and then senior cats and senior dogs. And so we make a special effort in our cat and dog books to put in stories about these hard-to-adopt categories. For example, a lot of people don't think about adopting an adult cat or even a senior cat, but -hmm. sometimes that makes more sense. Maybe an older couple wants to adopt, and they don't want the manic energy of a kitten. And they're much better off adopting an adult cat that's already house-trained, that will lead a more sedate lifestyle, will just be easier for somebody who is also leading a more sedate lifestyle. So that's the motive behind publishing the cat book. We're entertaining people, but we're also planting in their minds the idea, hey, the next time I want a cat, maybe I should go find one at the shelter 
instead of buying one at a pet store. You guys partnered with the American Humane Association, so please tell us about that. So the American Humane Association does a lot of work for animal welfare. They're the people who approve how animals are treated um, in movies and television shows. You'll see at the end, you know, no animals were harmed and, you know, some kind of message that the American Humane Association oversaw the use of animals in a movie. Mm-hmm. They are um, big. They they do a lot of work in the shelter world. They just do a lot of work in animal welfare overall and they educate adults and children about conservation and about respect for animals and how to care for animals we really like what they do we sponsored the um seeing eye dog category of Mm -hmm. the hero dog awards a couple of years ago and we're going to be a sponsor again this coming fall for the hero dog awards but we really worked closely with the american humane association and so our last pair of dog and cat books raised funds for the American Humane Association, and this new pair of cat and dog books does that as well. So uh, royalties from this book go to the AHA to help them in all the good work that they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Robin Ganza, the president and CEO of American Humane Association, wrote a wonderful forward for the book. Please share that with us. Robin is an amazing person. She's brilliant. She's passionate about animal welfare. She's completely energetic. I met with her a couple of weeks ago, and she hasn't stopped sending me emails since. We have so many (laughs) ideas we're working on, ways to use our books and our stories to help animals, to raise money for shelters, uh, raise money for the AHA, et cetera. And in her foreword, she talks about, you know, that unique combination of qualities you get in a cat because they can be ornery and they can be affectionate. They can be goofy, and they can also be very clever. You know, they can be absolutely adorable, or they could be incredibly infuriating. You never know with a cat, right? You're, right. You have to be a little bit of an adventurer to bring a cat into your life, because you're never sure what kind of mood your cat will be in, <laughs> but you're always going to be happy. And so she talks about what it's like to have a cat. And then she provides some very useful tips for people who are thinking about adopting and she doesn't want everybody to adopt a cat she gives you a list of things that you should make sure you Mm -hmm. are Um, so she said you will be the perfect cat owner if you believe that caring for a pet for 15 to 18 years does not seem like a lifetime Mm -hmm. if you don't mind sharing your house with someone who sheds if you don't mind sharing your house with someone who will never clean up after himself, right? Right, um, right, right. And then she she talks about adoption and um, talks about you know the benefits of adopting from shelters. And then she also gives some tips on year-round care of your cat and what you should do. Get mm-hmm. your cat microchipped. Um, feed your cat the right food. You know, don't have one of those tubby tabbies. Etc. So it's a really wonderful forward for people who already have a cat and for people who are thinking about getting a cat with really wonderful tips from this brilliant woman who is a real expert on cats and dogs. What I like about her intro as well, like you had mentioned, we tend to be impulsive about stuff like this and we need to be very mindful about adopting. It's a commitment. You're looking at 10, 15, 18 years. Are you able to commit 
that length of time. And then the other side of the equation, of course, will be the idea of the fact that it's really a wonderful idea to adopt sheltered cats. So if you can share some thoughts about that, I really appreciate it. There are millions of cats and dogs available for adoption in the U.S. and Canada. And the problem is that a lot of shelters are not no-kill shelters. Mm-hmm. And they will actually kill the animals if they're not adopted, which is horrible. You walk into one of these shelters and you see these animals and they look right into your eyes and you look into their eyes and you see this noble loving animal that just wants to go home with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that dog or that cat and you think, oh my gosh, if somebody doesn't adopt you, you might be killed. And I was at a shelter out in California. It was a municipal shelter, and most municipal shelters do not have the budget to be no-kill shelters. So mm-hmm. basically they weed out old old inventory. If they have a dog or cat that hasn't been adopted and it's been there for a while, they euthanize it. And I hate the word euthanize because that sounds kinder than it really is. Right. It's kind to euthanize your animal when it's your pet and your animal is 15 and your animal is dying of cancer and is miserable. Right. Calling it euthanizing when it's a healthy three-year-old cat uh, just doesn't work for me. But when I was out at a shelter in Stockton, California, a couple of years ago, I saw one black dog after another being led on a leash mm. into the scary area where there were bad smells mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. from it. And each mm-hmm. of those dogs was walking along all happy, like he was going mm-hmm, out for a walk, mm-hmm. like, wow, somebody came and got me to take me for a walk. Yeah. And that dog was going to the place where he was going to get euthanized. And it, it just makes me sick. And that's why we're so passionate about people adopting from shelters. And the more pets you adopt from shelters, the less people will be breeding new ones. Yeah. Um, and that would really be better because we want to clear out those shelters. We actually treat our animals pretty well in the United States. I mean, most countries right. don't have right. shelters. They think we're crazy. They just let the unwanted dogs and cats run feral in the streets. Right. We right. actually take care of them and put them in shelters, but still it's heartbreaking when you walk into one of those And that's why we're so passionate about exposing our readers to these wonderful stories about animals that were adopted from shelters or from, you know, just outdoors. Mm -hmm. In the case of cats, a lot of cats are just adopted by people where the cat basically presented himself on the front stoop and said, I'm here and and I'm yours now. (laughs) You know, that happens a lot. So in the case of cats, you could just adopt them from outside. They'll they'll show up. Right. Now, occasionally, people will think they've adopted a cat, and they'll discover the cat is two-timing them and has actually been adopted by two (laughs) families in the neighborhood and is getting double feedings, double everything. Uh Right, right, right. So true. What was the favorite part about putting this project together? Well, I have the best job in the world because I get to read all these stories. (laughs) So I got to read... I didn't read the thousands of stories that were submitted. We have uh, editors who do that, but I got to read hundreds of finalists to go in our book of 101 stories. And what a treat it is to just sit here and read one fabulous story about cats after another. And it was really fun editing the book, making the chapters, um, picking out the cartoons to go with Mm -hmm. the stories, 
because mm-hmm. cats are a wonderful subject for cartoons. So it's just a really fun thing to do. This is a lot more fun than doing my publishing royalty spreadsheets and figuring out how much paper we need for our next print run and all of that. This is the fun <laughs> side of being a publisher. Do you have challenges that goes with the job as well in the sense of, I know you mentioned something about over thousands of stories submitted, and I'm sure that's a big challenge. How about challenges in terms of verifying some of the stories, I guess, in this case? We we are pretty good at making sure that our stories are true and nonfiction, mm-hmm. and occasionally somebody will write a story that's really more like creative writing, uh, and okay. they'll be fooled because our stories are so entertaining that they forget right. that they're all true stories. Yeah. So there was a case. There was a woman who had a wonderful story in this book. In fact, it's the first story in the book, and the mm-hmm. first story in the book is a definite place of honor. That means that I absolutely adore the story. <laughs> and she had also submitted another story to us, uh, which was very good also, but there was something about it that made mm-hmm. me think that maybe it was a creative writing project. And I asked her, and she said, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot you only mm-hmm. you only." Publish nonfiction. No, that that was an embellished story, and so we. (laughs) So that that can happen, but we're pretty good about figuring that out. You know what's really the biggest challenge Mm -hmm. of putting together one of these books? Yeah, it's the rejections. It's when I read a story from somebody, and I know how hard they worked on it, and I know how much it means to them, but it just didn't quite make it. When you Mm -hmm. only can have one hundred and one, and you've had thousands submitted. A lot of really nice stories are not going to make it into the book, and that always bothers me. It's a little bit like being a college admissions counselor. You know you're leaving out a lot of good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. How did Chicken Soup come up with the titles for the 10 chapters? Well, that was a lot of fun for me. So I had these 101 stories about all these different attributes of very good and very bad cats. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to alternate chapters with good traits and bad traits. So the first chapter is my ornery cat. The second chapter is my goofy cat. The third is my healer cat, because we had a lot of stories about cats healing people physically and mentally. Then the fourth chapter is my surprising cat, cats that just did mind-boggling things. Fifth chapter, my endearing cat, that's about those cats that turned cat haters into cat lovers, which happens a lot in families. You know, the husband will say, Mm -hmm. no cat. Mm -hmm. The wife will bring home a cat, and then the husband becomes a cat lover, much to his surprise. The sixth chapter is my clever cat, because we have a lot of stories where cats really surprised us by how smart they were. Mm -hmm. Then the seventh chapter is my therapist cat, because cats are so therapeutically, um, I'll use a medical term, efficacious. They really do a great job for um, helping people with physical therapy and mental health therapy. Mm-hmm. Then I have a chapter called My Hunter Cat. Now, I really tried not to put in stories about cats killing you know, backyard birds yeah. because we know that that's really bad. But cats can channel that same hunting impulse into other areas and hunt Q-tips or mm-hmm. the neighbor's lost mittens, things like that. So that's the kind of, of story we told in the My Hunter Cat chapter. Then we have a chapter called My Nanny Cat. Because a lot of cats actually help in child care. And the mothers become kind of dependent on the cats performing some babysitting and child care functions for them. 
And then chapter 10 is called My Heroic Cat because we have some cats who saved lives, stood up against bears or big dogs or other animals. And so we have those heroes in our last chapter. So we went through all the different aspects Mm -hmm. of cat personalities. Fantastic. I love them all. What I really like about this particular book is that the book has cartoons, photos of cats, and it really enriched the book itself. So tell us about that as well. This book is very rich. It's so interesting because besides getting the 101 stories, which are fabulous stories, Mm -hmm. we also uh, went throughout the Chicken Soup for the Soul family, all of our employees and their family members, and we said, have you adopted a cat from a shelter or brought in an abandoned cat, you know, from the outside? Mm -hmm. And please give us a compelling photo of your cat. And so we have... Ten cats in here, one at the beginning of each chapter. Um, Two of them are in my family. They belong to uh, one of my daughters, Um, and so they're in there too, and they are really compelling, like the one at the beginning Mm -hmm. of Chapter 1, Django, that black cat. Mm -hmm. I featured him because it just shows, please adopt black cats. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have wonderful photos of those. Then we have really funny cartoons in here. And then the other thing we did, which was a new thing for us, is we usually put a quote at the beginning of each story. And what we did in this cat book for the first time ever was that we put fun facts about Mm -hmm. cats. And so we have a fun fact at the beginning of each story. So there are uh, 101 fun facts about cats in the book as well. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading this wonderful book? I think that people will come away from reading this book with a broader understanding of cats and how varied they can be, how diverse their skills are, how they contribute much more to their human families than people generally think, that they're not the aloof, selfish animals that some people think they are, but they actually are giving animals who do give love back. They're not just there for the free food. And I think that people will come away from this saying, you know, I I miss my cat. I'm going to go get another cat, and I'm going to go get that cat at a shelter, or I'm going to bring in that abandoned cat that is, you know, in a cardboard box at the deli right now, and they're looking for an owner for him. Well, that's true. I really like that idea. What I like about the book is that there's so much humor. Sometimes we are involved with our pets every day. We don't see certain things, or we take things for granted. But reading someone else's story sort of engages us to look at our own pets in a different light. Yeah, you know, I really believe that what we do with these stories is the best way to share wisdom and advice Mm -hmm. and enthusiasm because I think that hearing other people's personal stories is the most compelling way that we get new information, that we're influenced. If you just read an article about cats, it wouldn't influence you the way that reading somebody's personal story will influence you. So true. I have selected, as usual, several stories from the book as talking points for this morning. Please give us a short rundown of this story. So we'll start off with the first chapter, My Ordinary Cat. And the first story I thought was really exciting. Again, I believe that you picked a great story to kick off the book. It's really funny. The title of the story is The Great Escape by Eileen Melia Henson. So, Eileen, this was the funniest story. I'm laughing just trying to talk about it. 
Eileen had a friend who was a flight attendant, and her flight attendant friend had to go to Paris for three days and said to Eileen, who lives in the New York area, why don't you and your sister come up and stay in my apartment for free and have a weekend in Boston in my apartment? Um, I'll leave the key with my neighbor, and you can feed my cat while you're here. So Eileen and her sister Kathy drove up to Boston, uh, got to the apartment building, knocked on the neighbor's door, got the key, but the neighbor, Dave, had a little smirk on his face as he handed over the key, and he said, lots of luck. And Eileen said, what do you mean? And Dave said, I mean good luck with that cat. Jackie's my friend, but I wouldn't go in there if my life depended on it. (laughs) Here's a list of instructions and some treats. You'll need the treats just to get in. So Kathy and Eileen looked at each other. They couldn't understand why this would really be a problem. And they said, oh, Dave, what's the cat's name? And he said, well, Jackie calls him Simon, but I call him Psycho. (laughs) So they, they went over to the apartment. They opened the door. The cat started running toward them, but then they realized he was running towards them to attack them. So they threw the treats in the door as far as they could across the room, and the cat ran after them. And then they walked in, and on a table next to the door, there was a bag labeled in big letters, read this. Inside the bag was a note along with a jar of pennies and a spray bottle, you know, filled with water. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. The note said that if the cat was acting up, they should shake the jar of coins at it and spray him with the water. (laughs) So this was not a good omen. So they took their bags back to the car, went out to dinner, ordered some wine, talked about it, and said, okay, we're going to try again. So they went back to the apartment, opened the door, and realized that this ball of white fur that ordinarily would have been considered a rather attractive cat was actually more like a 30-pound cat. He was huge, (laughs) and he was scary, and he had red eyes. And they made their way in, and the, the cat was just going crazy attacking them. So they ran into the bedroom, which was um like it had it was like a fake bedroom in a studio apartment, so Mm -hmm, the door mm -hmm. didn't go all the way up to the ceiling. They locked themselves in the bedroom and then they looked in the bedroom and they realized that there was cat hair everywhere and that that's where the cat slept. So the cat started throwing himself against the door. This 30-pound psycho cat started throwing himself against the door trying to get in and they're in there cowering from the cat. And finally the the stupid cat who was so big broke the door open and he kept hurling himself against these doors mm-hmm. and the doors finally opened and the cat flew into the bedroom. And they're spraying him with the water bottle, shaking their jar of pennies, throwing treats to try to get him to leave them alone. And he was just yowling, and he was like a demon. And so they started screaming. They grabbed their luggage. They ran out of the apartment, threw the key into David's apartment, and ran down to their car, drove back to New York, got home at 2 in the morning, and never went back. And that was their experience with that cat. So that was the lead story in the chapter mm-hmm. called My Ornery Cat. And you can see yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's a great story to really kick off the book. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the most positive view of cats, but I think the cat owners will appreciate it. And it sure makes everyone else's cat look good. 
There you go. There you go. The second story, it is from the same chapter. And the title of the story is Cat Flexing by Erica Whitmore. So this is about another big, bad cat. Um, Erica was a literary publicist, and she was assigned a book that had been written as a joke by Stephanie Jackson. And the book was called Cat Flexing. And it was about how to do exercises with your cat, like, you know, do like arm lifts, but hold your cat, lift your cat over your head, stuff like that. And she wrote it as a joke and people started actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And so she started being invited on all these television shows to show them how you could do a workout with (laughs) your cat so that you could maintain your fitness without sacrificing quality time with your cat. It was really supposed to be a joke, but people started taking it seriously. So um, Erica booked um, this author, Stephanie, on a show, but Stephanie's own cat, which weighed seven pounds, was not available. And so they had to quickly get um, a stand-in cat to be used as the exercise cat. Um, And one of the crew members volunteered his cat but didn't mention that his cat weighed 29 pounds and was a Maine Coon cat. Um, as Erica described it, he was a behemoth yeah. who blocked out the sun. So Stephanie, who was already eight months pregnant, was on this live television show, gamely lifting this cat, trying to do all these exercises with this cat. She was accustomed to doing this with her seven-pound cat, and she's <laughs> eight months pregnant, gamely lifting this 29-pound Maine Coon cat who's furious, <laughs> who's hissing, scratching, yarling at her. And anyway... Stephanie made her way through it and said at the end, you know, well, this isn't for every cat. Um, And at the end, they found out from the crew member who had lent them the cat that the the cat's name was Monster. (laughs) So that was her story. So it was another really, really bad cat. Again, my Mm -hmm. aim is to make everybody feel really good about their own cats. (laughs) It's just funny. My experience with cats is that cats has their own personality. And of course they do adopt the personality of the owner. So I guess in this particular case, being that the cat by nature sort of, I guess I would consider as being reserved and so forth. Hey, so what? I'm big. This is me. So accept me for who I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the next chapter is My Goofy Cat, Home Improvement, Kitty Edition by Cassie Rubico. And this is interesting, the way she wrote it. Yeah, I love this because what Cassie did is she wrote a poem, but the poem tells a story. And the story is that um, her dad did a home improvement project. And so he um, had to fix um, the shower in the bathroom. So he had to take the whole wall down in the bathroom, fix the shower, put the wall back up, tile it, etc. And this was a big project and then it was all done and they you know we're all finished for the day we're happy and then they heard one of their two cats crying and wailing and staring at the wall in the bathroom and you can imagine where the other cat was inside the wall in the bathroom inside the wall that had been resheet rocked tiled all closed up the missing cat was inside the wall had somehow gotten in there in the middle of this project. So they had to tear the whole wall down and rescue the cat, who was okay, scared but okay, (laughs) and then start over again. (laughs) 
count the animals before you do before you you finish the sheetrock job. There you go. <laughs> I thought it was really really funny. Things like that do happen. People just don't realize it, but it do happen. <laughs> <laughs> the third chapter is my healer cat. Dancing with Joe is the title of the story by Laurie Shimey. So Lori's story is really interesting. And, of course, being a woman, I'm a real romantic, and I love to read you know, stories about romance and mm-hmm. people finding new love. And in this case, this woman um, had gotten divorced. She had three kids. She had a job. So she was busy, but she didn't have any social life. Um, she had rescued a cat, and she started, like, dancing with the cat, and the cat kind of became her buddy, um, and then one day the cat ran up a tree and wouldn't come down, and nobody could get the cat down. Her dad came over to try to help. Nobody could get the cat down, and then a friend from work pulled into the driveway. Um, he was coming by to drop something off. She worked at the police department, mm-hmm. and this was a police officer who she knew from work who she considered to be a friend. Well, apparently he didn't consider her to be a friend because <laughs> he came over and rescued the cat hung around, um, and all of a sudden she saw him in a completely new light when he rescued Mm -hmm. the cat. Mm -hmm. And she got her cat back, she ran into the house, and she cried. And then I really like what she wrote here. She said, I cried because someone had helped me when I really needed it. I cried because I finally understood that there is an end to grief. My divorce may have crushed me, but not permanently. Through it all, I had kept my kids happy I had excelled at my job, I had made friends, and I had learned that love can and will endure, as proven by an orange tabby. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, she ended up uh, marrying her friend, the police officer, who came over and rescued the cat from the tree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I like about the story is it deserved to be a Hallmark holiday story. Oh, definitely. Well, and people do find love through their cats and dogs. Yeah, they meet somebody yeah. through their animals, and it happens all the time. We get so many stories from people who say that they found the new love in their life uh, through something that happened with their cat or their dog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. The next chapter is really cool, My Surprising Cat, and the title of the story is The Amazing Cat Trick by Laura Bolden Fauna. So this was a fun um, story. Laura was 12 years old, and uh, they um, adopted a cat who had just, you know, wandered in from outside, which is how a lot of cats are adopted. <laughs> and um, he would still go out a lot, and he would sometimes disappear for days and then come back. And at one time, he disappeared, and they didn't think much of it because he always disappeared. And then they found him out in the street, run over by a car. And they buried him, and, you know, the family was deeply in mourning. And a few days after they had buried him, they were standing outside when all of a sudden the girl felt something touch her leg. And she looked down, and it was her cat. Mm -hmm. They had buried a different cat. (laughs) And so she just, so that was the story. And that is not the first time we've gotten a story from somebody about how they buried a cat and then, (laughs) <laughs> Their real cat came home when they realized they'd buried some other cat. It's a bittersweet story because then someone else 
never found their cat in a way. That's and true, course, and she felt bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. that other person never knew what happened to their cat. Yeah, but you know that happens. My um, uh, one of my daughters, she lost mm-hmm. one of her cats. They had adopted the cat was abandoned, and then it ran out of their apartment one day and was gone, and they never got it back. And I said to her, probably someone else adopted the cat. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's how you got the cat. Now he's probably just right. gone to another family. But you don't know. The, you know, you don't really right. know what happens. You hope they were adopted by another family. Right, right. So true. The next chapter is really wonderful. My Endearing Cat, Miracle in the Cornfield by Laura Snell. So this is the chapter I told you about, about people mm-hmm. who didn't want a cat and then fell in love with the cat anyway. So this mother, Laura, was 28 years old. She had a son. She already had a dog. Um, she was single, and she really didn't want another pet. And she kept telling her son, Ryan, we can't get a cat because the cat wouldn't get along with our dog. Um, but her son really wanted a cat to go with the dog, So then one day they were visiting a friend who lived in the middle of farm country and just in the middle of nowhere. And out of nowhere, a little cat ran into her friend's house. And Laura was there with her son and dog. And the friend's dogs started barking furiously at the cat and were trying to attack this little lost cat that wandered in. But Laura's own dog, maybe not feeling territorial because he wasn't in his own house, he welcomed the cat and he protected this little lost cat from the other dogs. Well, there went Laura's excuse because her dog loved this little lost cat, was licking it, taking care of it, and her son said, see, Mom, the dog loves the cat. We can get a cat now. So there was nothing she could do. Well, she said the dog and the cat became best friends. Mm-hmm. And they had the cat for many, many years. And then the dog actually died first, and the cat mm-hmm. was just distraught when he lost his best friend, the cat, the dog. And anyway, mm-hmm. they ended up having that little lost cat for 17 years. And she said, the best things that come into our lives are the ones we think we want the least. I hadn't wanted a cat, but I wouldn't trade my 17 years with Zipper for anything. So that was very sweet. It's a beautiful story. It reminded me when I was growing up in Malaysia, our first cat was a stray cat that came and kind of just became the family cat. And then we actually adopted a dog. They got along very well. They were eating out of the same bowl. So it was kind of really cool. There was no cat and dog fight. So I thought this story was very nice. It reminded me about the experience I had as a young boy growing up in Malaysia. Yeah, cats and dogs can get along really, really well. And I think something like 25% of all households in the United States do Mm -hmm. have at least a cat and a dog, if not multiples. Hmm, interesting. Very, very interesting. I imagine that it has to do with if you get the cat and dog. Like in our case, we got them when they were small, I guess, growing up at a very young age. So they don't know any better. They just sort of get along. (laughs) Well, you know, humans like to have pets. Yeah. yeah. Animals like to have pets, too. We have so many stories in our cat and dog books Mm -hmm. about cats and dogs that have adopted pets. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll adopt a rabbit, and then the rabbit will become part of the household, or a dog Mm -hmm. will try to raise kittens, or a cat will try to raise puppies. But they 
they like other animals, just like we, we're animals and we like other animals. We like dogs and cats. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. cats and dogs often like to have their own cross-species relationships. Mm-hmm. They like to have their own pets or their own friends. Uh, <laughs> a dog can be a cat's best friend, just like a dog yeah. can be man's best friend. Yeah, yeah, so true. The next chapter, My Clever Cat, the title of the story is My Perfect Escape Artist by Rick Lauber. This was a fun story because mm-hmm. uh, Rick's parents had um, a cat, and then Rick's mom died, um, and the cat continued living with his dad, and then his dad needed to be moved into um, a home for elderly residents because he was becoming increasingly forgetful. But they were allowed to bring a cat or dog with them, so the cat went with him. But then the problem was this. There was... Um, a large number of Alzheimer's patients in this residence as well, and they needed to be kept locked in. Otherwise, they would wander outside and get lost. And the cat figured out how to open the door. He would jump up, land on the lever handle on the door, and open it, and then not properly close it behind him. And so even though he was a very popular resident of this nursing home, Uh, They had to find a new home for him, and he ended up going to Rick's sister's house after he kept letting the Alzheimer's patients out of the nursing home. (laughs) It's just a funny story, and I remember when I had my dog, and of course this is a dog, he could open doors. I couldn't figure out how, and one day when I came back, I realized that he was tall enough to reach, and the doors that I had in the house in the various rooms, we would lock the dog in our laundry room. The door in the laundry room has a handle on it, so he knows how to just push it down and is out of the laundry yeah, room. Yeah, I think that's the rule. <laughs> you have to get round doorknobs if yeah, you have a yeah, dog yeah. or a cat. That's the key. Yeah. No more of those lever handles. Yeah. Who would have thought about stuff like that? I mean, it's just amazing. It's such an interesting perception by the cats and the dogs on how to get out of places. Mm-hmm. The next chapter is My Therapist Cat, Therapy Appointment by Shirley Stevenson. Shirley discovered that, that Shirley hadn't been paying good attention to what her cat was doing. <laughs> her cat normally went out the back door when he wanted to go outside, but he kept asking to go out front. Shirley was busy, and all of a sudden she realized that every day around 1 p.m., her cat had been asking to go out the front door. And she would let the cat out, and the cat would go down and sit on the sidewalk and just sit there. And then three minutes later, she would flop down and roll over so her belly was showing. And Shirley couldn't figure out why this was happening. And then one day she watched the cat, and the cat rolled over and lay on his back. And then all of a sudden she looked and she saw 15 young adults walking down the street from a nearby group home for young adults with Down syndrome. And they were out taking their daily walk. And the cat uh, lay quietly on the sidewalk while each of these young adults took a turn petting her. And then uh, when they finished, the cat came in. So Shirley went and talked to this um, home, and they told her that this had been going on for months and that every weekday for months these kids would come down the sidewalk and find the cat waiting to be petted. And Shirley says that her cat, Marmalade, had the most loving and caring personality I've ever seen Mm -hmm. in a cat. 
Um, so I thought that was really sweet that the cat went out and provided this experience every single day for these uh, people who lived in this home. The flip side is the cat is just trying to get some loving there. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know what? Cat people, cat people have to ascribe certain positive values to their cats. Yes, the yeah. cat knew he was, knew he was going to get his belly rubbed, but <laughs> but let's let's look at it positively. <laughs> he was doing this for the people. <laughs> I know. I had to say that. You know, hey, I'm not getting this at the house. I know at one o'clock. Everybody wants me. <laughs> <laughs> The next chapter is My Hunter Cat. The title of the story is Asleep on the Job by Wendy Hopdeho. So Wendy found her um, cats one day sound asleep, uh, which is the way we normally find cats, right? They're always sound asleep. But her cat was lying across a boot in the back of her closet, and he was just straddling the boot with his head in the leg hole as if he was trying to hide. So... Wendy picked up the boot and all of a sudden discovered there was a mouse cowering inside it. And the cat had stuck his head in it trying to get to the mouse who was cowering down near the toe. So she carried the boot outside and let the mouse go. I'm sure he ran right back inside the house and the cat got him again anyway. But that was in our chapter called My Hunter Cat. This chapter is really cool because I guess, like you were saying, the cat has certain instincts and what I like about this chapter, you have so many wonderful stories, actually, of cats doing so many right things. Yeah, I didn't really want to make it seem like we were approving of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the situation where people have a cat and let the cat just go out in the backyard and hunt wild birds. Because right. there's a real problem in our country with the small bird population going mm-hmm. down. and. Mm-hmm. People say it's because the domesticated cats are just killing them for sport. I mean, they're not killing them because they need to eat them, but it's just because cats love to hunt. It's part of their DNA. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of stories in here where cats do other things to use that hunting impulse, but not killing wild birds in the backyard. Right. So true. The next chapter, this is really cool, My Nanny Cat. The title of the story is Mother's Helper by Jill Davis. Yes, so in this case, this was a dog that took (laughs) over mothering a litter of kittens. So what we were talking about before, how dogs and cats can be so friendly. And I've seen a lot of stories about um, female dogs who had that nurturing impulse, that maternal instinct, but -hmm. didn't have their own puppies. Um, and would adopt a litter of kittens and try to um, be the mother to a litter of kittens. And then I've seen the same thing happening with female cats who didn't have their own kittens who would adopt a litter of puppies. And so in this case, this was a dog that kept trying to care for the puppies. And so this dog would go and I mean, this dog would go and pick up the um, kittens and move them around. And she ended up the dog ended up sharing. Um, mothering duties with the mother mm-hmm. cat, and they both took care of the kittens. And so it was really sweet. Mm-hmm. This is another chapter that I really like because you have so many of those wonderful stories about how cats contribute to the caring side of the equation. Yeah, they. It, it, it's really interesting to see all these complex relationships. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I do love all the stories where you have various animal species all living together in harmony in the household. <laughs> the final chapter, My Heroic Cat. The title of the story, this is just a wonderful story, wonderful, wonderful story. We Rescued Each Other by Stephen Kaufman. Yeah, so studies have found that pets can help develop positive social behaviors in autistic children. And Stephen Kaufman is an adult with Asperger's who talks about how he was really uncomfortable at work. He got a really good job uh, working for the federal government after he graduated from college, and he just never felt that he fit in well. He would try to socialize with his coworkers, and then he just couldn't really make small talk the correct way, and he knew it was because of his Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And one day, one of his coworkers said to him, have you considered adopting a pet? And Stephen said, oh, my gosh, you know, I know that animals are excellent for pet therapy, but can I actually rise to the challenge of ownership? But he went and he got a cat, and he said the cat has made a huge difference in his life. He said almost immediately he noticed his personality was changing. He became more outgoing. He learned how to ask for what he wanted. His stuttering became less severe. Um, He just became way more comfortable with himself and who he actually was. And he says, I've been asked if I rescued my cat. The truth is we rescued each other. It's a beautiful story. These are the stories that I think that needed to be told. And it ties back in into the situation where, where do you find wonderful, loving animals back to the shelter? Mm-hmm. That is true. And I think animals, when they're adopted from a shelter, they're grateful. Yeah. They know they were adopted. And people right. say that there's something different when you adopt a lost or abandoned animal. Uh, they really do know that you rescued them, and it creates a very special relationship. Wonderful. What are some of your favorite stories? There's a really fun story in here about discipline, and it's a case where uh, this woman, Kitty Chappelle, uh, yes, her name really is Kitty, like <laughs> Kitty Cat. <laughs> um, she had two cats. One was a really young cat named Single, and then she had an older cat um, named Smokey. And the young cat, Single, was being really bad, and um, and Kitty was reprimanding reprimanding the little kitten, and the kitten was ignoring her, and this really annoyed the older cat, Smokey. And Smokey was just sitting there watching and waiting for Single to get in trouble, and Single was not <laughs> obeying and was not getting in trouble. And so Smokey decided to take matters in her own hands, and she reached out and she just whacked Single on the side of the head (laughs) (laughs) and knocked him over. And then Mm -hmm. Smokey got up and walked out of the room looking very satisfied at having taken, you know, the punishment into his own paws. (laughs) That's a wonderful story, and that can be found in my nanny cat taking charge. (laughs) That's true. So we really did, in this Chicken Soup for the Soul book, My Very Good, Very Bad Cat, we really did explore all of the different aspects of cats. You can see how diversified the stories are, and you come away from reading all of these stories with a a broad appreciation for all of the different characteristics that cats can have, and they really are just as interesting as people. Wonderful. Where can they get the books? I know that this book right here is not quite out yet, correct? 
Yes. So uh, you're getting an advanced view of the book, uh, mm-hmm. Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Very Good, Very Bad Cat, will actually go on sale February 9th. So that's a couple more weeks. It will be on sale at Walmart, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, all you know, every place that books are sold. Mm-hmm. You can always order it online from Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or from your local independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there will be an ebook coming out the same day. So we're very excited about it. Um, we had big pre-orders for it. We think it's going to be a big hit. We think that yeah. will raise a lot of money for the American Humane Association. Sure, sure. Do you have other stories that you really like in the book? Um, yeah, there was another one that I really liked. Um, and this shows that cats are not acting as therapists just because they want you know, to have their bellies rubbed, but they really are doing something good for people. Right. Uh, we have one of our regular writers, Connie Pullen, and um, Connie's husband was dying of cancer, and her husband really didn't like cats, but Connie's son found this little lost kitten and brought it home, and the kitten latched onto Larry, Connie's mm. husband, the one who was dying of cancer, and Larry became very devoted to this kitten, and the kitten was very devoted to Larry. And so as Larry lay in bed, the kitten would lie there with him, and he just was always with Larry. They had such a bond. And as Larry got sicker and sicker, the kitten remained glued to his side and was there with him up till his very last breath, comforting not only Larry but the whole family because they knew this kitten was always there by you know, by Larry's Mm -hmm. side. The moment that Larry died, the kitten disappeared, never to be seen again. So they really viewed this as a little, you know, gift Mm -hmm. from God, this little angel kitten that came to take care of their dying husband slash father. And then Mm -hmm. the moment his job was done, the kitten was gone. It's a wonderful story. Yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention to you, Mm -hmm. and this is something really special that we do at Chicken Soup Mm -hmm. for the Soul, is we make these books available for shelters or dog Mm -hmm. and cat rescue organizations to use for their own fundraising. Mm -hmm. So we have a special program. We have a nonprofit price of $5 per book that we offer Mm -hmm. to shelters and rescue organizations so that they they can buy these books from us. For five dollars, resell them for ten dollars, twelve dollars, fifteen dollars, which is the list yeah. price, whatever they want, and keep the profits, and they can raise a lot of money for their organizations that way. Right. So right. I wanted to mention that to you because it's part of our whole sure. outreach program for shelters and rescue organizations. We also have had the books used in the past very effectively mm-hmm. for what I would call a clear the shelter program. So we did this Mm -hmm. in Las Vegas a year and a half ago with our prior dog and cat books. Every time that somebody adopted a dog or a cat at the shelter, they went home not only with their new dog or cat, but also with a new chicken soup for the soul dog or cat book. Mm -hmm. Do you know that in August, when a lot of people aren't even in Las Vegas, they cleared out the shelter. Every single cat in the shelter was adopted. They adopted out something like 350 cats by sending every adoptive family home with a Chicken Soup for the Soul book. 
Isn't that great? That's awesome. So that's the oh, other yeah. thing we're going to be doing with these new books is saying to shelters, mm-hmm. look, find a donor to buy the books at our nonprofit price yeah. and then give away a book with every adoption and see if you can clear your shelter. It's a that's really fantastic. powerful thing to do. And yeah. it's, we're really passionate about it. We're a very socially conscious company. You know we have yes. we've always yes. been active in uh, pet adoption and in pet welfare mm-hmm. We also have a really wonderful new anti-bullying program we're rolling out into the schools. Mm-hmm. It's another part of our mission for doing good and using storytelling as a way of doing good. And, oh, you know what I forgot to tell you, Johnny, is that yeah. our Hidden Heroes television show that's yes. on CBS on Saturday and Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. we just got a um, an approval rating from Parents' Choice Awards. Uh, so we're very excited about that because only 20% of applicants get any kind of right. uh, recommendation from Parents' Choice, and we got um, an approval rating from them. So we were very excited about that. We just found that out this week. That's fantastic. You guys do so many wonderful things. I think the public needs stuff like this. Families need what you guys have to offer, what you guys are doing, partnering with demonic group about anti-bullying and so forth. These are the things that where we need to be moving socially. We need to be socially conscious about the happenings here now in the United States. I think that's what's great about what we do is that when my husband and I decided that we would take on one one new business project, and I was mm-hmm. 50 when we started doing this, and I could have just mm-hmm. said, oh, I'm going to retire. The kids are in college. <laughs> you know, I'm done. But instead, we said, let's do one more big business enterprise. So we bought Chicken Soup for the Soul. So for us to work this hard, it had to to be about more than just regular old business. And so it's really great. We we are using Mm. our company to help animals, right, help Mm. dogs and cats. I guess our main focuses are helping dogs and cats and and Mm. being very active in this whole world of adoption from shelters and rescue organizations, Mm -hmm. very active in the anti-bullying world. So we have teamed with a wonderful philanthropist in Houston named Dr. Milton Mm Boniak and his Boniak Foundation, and we are rolling out um, an anti-bullying program that is based on Chicken Soup for the Soul stories. Uh, We're rolling this out in grades one through six right now. We're starting Mm -hmm. to sell the program right now. It's coming back from the printer this mm-hmm. week. It's a wonderful program because it's based on reading and writing. It's a literacy-based mm-hmm. anti-bullying program. And so as the teachers are doing their normal reading and writing lessons anyway, they use Chicken Soup for the Soul stories mm-hmm. about good behavior to teach the kids lessons about here's how you want to behave and let's crowd out all of those bullying behaviors. Right. So it's a literacy-based anti-bullying program Uh, We're getting a very strong response from the schools that have heard about it. So Mm -hmm. that's something we're rolling out. Then that ties into the television show, Chicken Soup for the Souls, Hidden Heroes, on CBS uh, on the weekend mornings. And that show is all about people being put in situations where they can demonstrate that they are hidden heroes. It's a hidden camera show. We put people in situations where they can rise to the challenge and help a stranger in some way. And that show is getting really good ratings. Uh, We're very enthusiastic about that. 
so it's really fun that we're able to do all of these very meaningful things all based on Chicken Soup for the Soul stories and the mm-hmm. power of storytelling to right. shape people's minds. I'm so excited for you guys. I mean, 2016 is going to be an awesome year for you guys. And you got a movie yeah. coming out. Please tell us about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a movie coming out, too, of course. <laughs> and that's based on Chicken Soup for the Soul stories as well. And, um, yeah, we are starting – well, that's well underway. The script's written. Uh, a director seems to have been hired. Um, mm-hmm. and But we haven't announced anything yet. And yeah. uh, that yeah. is moving along in Hollywood so we're excited about that, too. Yeah, that should Fantastic. come out in the very end of 2016. Fantastic. As you know, the hour is almost up, and we are all waiting for your wonderful recipes for living that you would like to share with our listeners this morning. Well, I always conclude when you ask me for my recipes for living, I always give you the the tips that I have gleaned <laughs> from whatever book we're talking about. So yeah. I'm going to talk about... Five things you just have to accept about your cat. And if you just accept these things about your cat, your life will be better. And the first (laughs) thing you have to accept is that your cat is in charge. (laughs) If you just accept that, everything will be easier. Stop fighting with the cat. The cat gets to win. The cat will win. Give up. Um, second thing, and we talked about this today, is that your mm-hmm. cat may want his own pet. And if your cat wants to adopt a puppy or wants to adopt a rabbit, let your cat have a pet. He's entitled. You have a pet. Your cat wants a pet. <laughs> a third thing you should just plain accept about your cat is that your cat does want to protect your family. And that might mean that your cat goes up against a dog that weighs ten times more than <laughs> than he does and wins. Another thing to accept about your cat is that your cat is a natural therapist. It comes naturally to your cat to to be your therapist. So just accept it and enjoy it and benefit from it. And then the fifth thing you should accept about your cat is your cat really does know the rules, even if he doesn't admit it. So he may not follow the rules, but he knows what they are. And if another cat doesn't follow rules, he will probably beat out punishment, <laughs> as, as happened in that story that we discussed before. That's so those wonderful. are the ways you can accept being a cat owner, because remember what they say about cats. Cats don't yeah. have owners. They have staff. There you go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes, for living, and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, thank you for being with us. Please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Marie Jagopoulos. She is an intuitive counselor, healer, and spiritual mentor. Marie will be hosting and conducting her bi-weekly Meditation for Moms series and talk about her worldwide consciousness movement, Meditation for Moms. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. Goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye.